Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, we'll hear from Dr. Jake Hebert, physicist and research associate with the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Hebert. The woolly mammoths, uh, which are essentially hairy elephants that have a big shoulder hump, those are familiar to a lot of people. Most of us have seen pictures of these woolly mammoths. But the woolly mammoths really present a major mystery for secular scientists. Uh, Why is that? Well, we have good evidence based on the remains of mammoths that have been found in places like Siberia, the Yukon, and Alaska, uh, that there were millions of these woolly mammoths that were living in parts of the world that today are extremely cold, particularly Siberia. Winter temperatures in Siberia today can be 40 degrees below zero. And what makes it even worse for a secular scientist is that they believe that temperatures could have been 10 to 20 degrees even colder during an ice age. So even though the mammoths uh, seem to have been well-suited for the cold, how could they, how could even they have survived these extremely bitterly cold temperatures? And where are they going to get enough food to eat? Siberia, you've got all this frozen permafrost. It does not seem at all like a, an environment that would be conducive to the survival of mammoths. And, and there's good reason to believe that there were millions of mammoths in Siberia alone. So how could they survive uh, this incredibly harsh climate? Why would they even want to live in such a climate? Uh, that's the first major issue. The second issue is, well, why did they go extinct and why do they? we often find their remains buried and basically entombed in permafrost? You know, that seems almost impossible. How, if you have this hard ground, and how do you get a mammoth inside that permafrost? Uh, without, you know, if you tried to pound it into the permafrost, you're basically going to turn the mammoth into jelly. You're going to pulverize it. So how did we get all these mammoths being entombed uh, within this permafrost? The answer to that question involves the creation ice age model. And there's basically four main points to this model. And I want to summarize them here. And in the next segment, we can talk about how this model actually helps explain these major mysteries of Earth history. And the model involves a little acrostic to help you remember the main points. It's heat, H-E-A-T. And the H stands for hot oceans. As a result of the flood, you're going to have a lot of seafloor spreading occurring, a lot of volcanic activity, and that is going to significantly warm the oceans, perhaps 10 degrees Celsius or more. And we think as a result of all the stuff going on in the flood, the oceans are going to be quite warm, both with depth and latitude. It's going to be well mixed, very warm. The second aspect of this involves evaporation. As a result of these warmer oceans, 
you're going to have a lot of evaporation occurring, uh, much more than we have today, and that's going to put an enormous amount of moisture into the atmosphere. And so you're going to get more rainfall at certain locations, but at higher latitudes and elevations, you're going to get more snowfall. And that increased snowfall is going to help thick ice sheets to start building up. That's not enough. You also need something else. You've got to keep the snow and ice from melting if you want these ice sheets to build up. And the A helps us explain that. That stands for aerosols, which are tiny droplets or particles. And as a result of the volcanic activity that would have occurred during the flood, mainly toward its end and also afterwards, you're going to have a lot of volcanoes that will put a lot of aerosols up into the atmosphere. And those aerosols are going to reflect a good deal of sunlight and we know from observations that the cooling effect you get is greatest during the summer and autumn months. And so that's going to give you cooler summers, which will help keep the snow and ice from melting. That's going to keep continuing for many years. And so you'll have a layer of snow and ice from one winter. It doesn't melt during the following summer. The next winter, more snow and ice. It doesn't melt because of these, these cooler summers, and so on and so forth. This goes on for many years, and you get snow and ice to start building up, and you get these thick ice sheets. And finally, the last piece of the puzzle is time, particularly a short time scale. In order for this mechanism to work, these volcanic eruptions have to occur close together in time. Uh, both creation and secular scientists believe that there have been uh, many very, very large volcanic eruptions in Earth history that were big enough to affect climate. But the reason that secular scientists can't make use of this is because they believe those volcanic eruptions were separated by many thousands or millions of years. And of course, if you separate them by such vast amounts of time, the cooling effect is so diluted that it won't really do anything. So we think this ice age after the flood probably lasted several hundreds of years that enabled the numbers of mammoths to grow and significantly increase in the years after the flood. And in the next segment, we talk in more detail about how this Ice Age model helps us explain the mysteries of the woolly mammoth. Let's take a short break. Stay with us. What happened to the dinosaurs? Are monkeys and people the same? Why do we live on Earth and not some other planet? Kids have some great questions about God's creation, but do you have the answers for them? At the Institute for Creation Research, our scientists and Bible scholars have produced The Guide to Creation Basics. This book contains full-colored images and fascinating commentary from experts in biology, geology, astronomy, and biblical study. Guide to Creation Basics can help teach your children how the animals could fit on Noah's Ark, how dinosaurs and humans could live at the same time, and how God's power and wisdom can be seen in something as small as a single cell. Find basic answers to your child's biggest creation questions. Order your copy of Guide to Creation Basics from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting www.icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Hebert. Well, in the first segment, we talked about some of the reasons that woolly mammoths are so mysterious for secular scientists. And we also talked about how the Creation Ice Age model helps explain some of these mysteries. Mr. Mike Ord, he is a respected creation scientist, a former professional meteorologist. He also has a 
research meteorology background. Uh, we call him Mr. Ice Age because he's figured out a lot of these mysteries. And his mechanism for an ice age, which we have summarized by the acrostic heat, helps explain this. And the H, it's the H part that it helps explain the woolly mammoths. Because of all the warming of the oceans you had during and after the flood, you're going to have very warm oceans after the flood. It's going to take a long time for those oceans to cool off. And because of that, because it's so warm, you're not going to have any Arctic sea ice. Today, we have all this Arctic sea ice, but after the flood, that's not going to be the case. In fact, Mike Ord thinks that after the flood, the Arctic Sea might have been warm enough that you could even swim in it. Now, why is that important? Because if you have a warm ocean, you're going to have all this warm, moist air from that ocean, and it's going to moderate the climate so that it's not anywhere near as cold as it is today. So you're going to be dealing with a totally different climate situation after the flood. And because it's so much more temperate, that's what's going to enable the mammoths to live in large numbers, even in places like Siberia. So the kind of bitterly cold climate that we have in Siberia today would not have been there after the flood. Well, then that raises the question, well, why did they go extinct? Well, toward the end of the Ice Age, uh, you're going to have all this ice that's melting, and, and you'll have a lot of fresh water flowing out onto the ocean surface. And because that fresh water is less dense than salt water, it's going to float on top, if you will, and it's going to quickly freeze and form sea ice. When this happens, the climate is going, it's going to get much colder. You're no longer going to have that moderating effect. And not only that, you're going to get strong winds. As any meteorology textbook will tell you, uh, you get these winds because of temperature differences between the higher and low latitudes. And at the end of the Ice Age, things are starting to dry out. You don't have as much moisture in the atmosphere. And so you're going to get very large dust storms comparable to what you would have seen in the Dust Bowl in the United States during the 1930s. And we think basically that a lot of these mammoths were simply overcome by these dust storms. Some of them, they probably asphyxiated. Uh, they may have been buried alive in some cases. Uh, the smaller animals would probably have been able, to, in some cases, to escape, but the slow-moving mammoths uh, certainly would not have. And so we think that they were entombed in these big piles of dust, if you will. And what's interesting is that today you find many of their remains in these frozen hills of windblown silt. And that's exactly what you would expect on the basis of this. And so basically... That, in a nutshell, is how we explain uh, why the mammoths lived in those regions and why they became extinct. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, that sounds fairly simple, and in a way it is, so why can't evolutionists use it to explain the extinction of the woolly mammoths? Well, really, it's because of their belief in millions of years. You see, evolutionists believe that that Arctic sea ice has been there for millions of years. Now, some of them think that it may have melted at times in the past, but, but they would argue that that Arctic sea ice was there. And so it was already there before the end of the Ice Age. And so they can't make use of this simple mechanism to provide a warmer, more temperate climate for Siberia. It may have still been cold in Siberia, but it would not have been anywhere near as cold as it is today. And so because of their belief in millions of years, they really can't explain this. 
if you accept the biblical account at face value and you recognize that there has been a recent change in climate, that you're able to explain this. So you see, this age of the earth is not a side issue as many Christians think. Uh, It's important doctrinally uh, because you have all these theological problems if you accept an old earth. But not only that, belief in an old earth is actually hindering science because it's making it harder for scientists to explain some of these things about the past. And so taking the Bible's account at face value really helps us to explain even these major mysteries of earth history. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.